On today's show, we're discussing a 1909 classic, two schools that are beloved by fans of hardwood history. We look back at the legendary coaches, players, uniforms, and amazing gameplay. Join us as we break down Georgetown versus UMass in the 1996 Elite Eight. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the 19.9 Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Meyer. I'm here with my co-host uh, slash guest tonight, Robert Wire, And we are breaking down UMass versus Georgetown, the 1996 Elite Eight. This was actually the first of these 99 classics that we did uh, way, way back when, over a year ago. And we were breaking down the first game of this season, uh, UMass versus Kentucky. And we brought this one up, and I'm going to let Robert throw it to Robert to kind of set the scene of this game and why we are circling back to, to UMass, besides the fact that 99 has uh, released the UMass shorts from, from this game? Uh, well, I think it's a, it's a game that was a big game. It was uh, the Elite Eight game that year, and it was Allen Iverson versus Camby, two of the biggest names in college basketball that year. Uh, UMass was ranked number one most of the year. They were going against one of the flashiest players in college basketball. And Iverson, and Iverson had said during the season that he really wanted to play UMass because they were number one, so he could see where he was really at. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved like the you you hit it on the the nose. It's it's Marcus Camby versus Allen Iverson, and the weird thing is that I think Marcus Camby is the better player at this point, but. Iverson is so iconic that he almost overshadows him with just the just kind of his persona and like the what you know just swagger walking in there. But Marcus Camby is unbelievable in this game. Like they, those two are the absolute standouts in this game. Uh, but but as far as team play, I was shocked at how amazing this UMass UMass team was, and they started the season. Incredibly, I've actually got a clip here. Uh, we can listen to Coach Cal and kind of the the little breakdown of how they got to this point uh, in the season because it, they had quite a run to start and then they lost and then they rebounded. Uh, so let's listen to that clip. I'm looking at this saying they're not carried away with themselves. They don't seem to be pressured into having to win games. I keep telling them, hey, we lose, we're 26 and one. Who cares? I mean, we're still fine. Uh, they're playing and practice hard. Uh, they're caring about one another. No one, there's no friction on the team that we need to help uh, bring them back together, uh, bring them down to earth. I don't see a purpose in a loss right now. So the number one team in the nation, UMass, plays host to arch rival George Washington. With talk of an undefeated season reaching a crescendo, the Minutemen finally tripped up in late February against nemesis George Washington. George Washington was always the thorn in our side. They always seemed to always play us tough and always seemed to beat us. We had 26 in a row. They came in our building and beat us. I'm still upset about that one. The biggest surprise to me was that the one regular season game they lost was at home. I didn't think that was going to happen. But that particular day wasn't their day. John got ejected from the game, and they probably would have lost even if he hadn't have been. I think that's the only game I've ever been thrown out of in my coaching career. 
before or after. Um, I've been, I've deserved to be thrown out of other games. That one I didn't. Coach Calipari was ejected for the first time in his career during that loss, but the men and men would rebound. They'd win their next nine games before the national semifinals. So what a crazy season where you've got a 26-game winning streak to start, that just speed bump, and then nine in a row. Um, but Georgetown was, you know, their own their own team too. They they were coming in off kind of a you know a, a, an excellent season too. Yeah, uh, it just to me like doing a bunch of research on this. This was kind of it's kind of weird because UMass was the number one team in the nation in a 26 winning streak and. But they just were like the team that was more of the vets, the one that was the total package, where Georgetown was more of the elite talent, but can they figure out how to put it together? Hmm. You know, and how and I felt like doing doing this stuff that I, you know, it really gave me a lot of respect for UMass as far as Cal really put a team together that worked perfect with Camby as far as it separated the floor. To give him area to work with because the shooters and their defense was unbelievable in the game that we watched. But uh, I, I did read something pretty interesting about that UMass, they went on that 20 game, 26 game winning streak. But before the season started, they did their expedition. They lost to a team, uh, I think it was Converse All Stars, a bunch of <laughs> players they threw together to play them in an expedition. And uh, I don't remember the final score, but I know that. They lost. I, they lost, and Cal was mad, and Canby said that they weren't any better. I think maybe that was their wake-up call. Uh, they got them jump-started because they played Kentucky a week and a half later, and they were number one in the nation, and, <laughs> yeah. they, and they beat them. You yeah, know? you lose an exhibition game like that. It can be a wake-up call. Uh, but you hit on something there, and you brought this up, and I'm curious to see what, what you think of this because I'm you know, looking through some of these stats. Which team do you think had the – returned the highest percentage of their their offense see i i would think it was umass just because they had the most seniors and juniors as far as that contribute to the team but the way you're setting me up <laughs> i would think that maybe it was georgetown because they had the yep the they, athletes as far as they had the the go-to guys. Yeah, there, there. I was, I was actually kind of blown away uh, by by how much it was. Seventy-one percent of the scoring uh, for Georgetown, and I think it was like fifty-eight percent for. So, so it's not like they're not an experienced team, but clearly. Georgetown too, even though they were younger, they still had that core group that had been together. Um, so they didn't. There wasn't a lot of turnover. I think Victor Page. There was a couple, you know, freshmen that contributed in this game, but they weren't as green as maybe the announcers and people might think. They they had been together the year before for the most part, um, and and brought that back. And they had this unique style where they were so. Um, they were so aggressive and um, you know tough-minded, and they had this huge front line where um, you know I think that it was it seemed like insurmountable for UMass because you see Camby who got kind of beat up the year before, and, you know, and that was kind of his his struggle um, is that he's kind of slight, uh, but uh, you know he he really showed he showed in this game I thought. Yeah, uh, what I was gonna say is is it might seem a little bit proportionate worse because how many points did Iverson score so like you got Iverson and he obviously was a ball dominated guard so just him coming back was probably what 
33% of their offense. <laughs> Probably. You know, at that time, because, you yeah. know, you don't, the scores weren't as high most of the time. Yeah. So, if, you know, if you average 20 some points a game, I can't remember what he averaged, but I mean, they probably only scored 66. Sure. So, I mean, that's already a big chunk. And then Harrington, yeah, he was back too, right? Thero. And so he probably scored, probably, I don't know what he did his freshman year, but it was probably 10 or 15 points, I'm guessing. So just them two together. And then Williams. I don't know if it was was it his first year or second year. Which which who's that? The junkyard dog. Oh no, that's his senior year. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he was a a JUCO transfer. Right, but he had been there the year before. Okay. Yeah. So. Yep. I mean, them are three really good players. They are. And then White. yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like they had been together, but I guess that's a, that's what I was pushing back against is that UMass seems like this veteran team, but uh, Georgetown had been together. You know, had been together too. Is it, real quick? Is Othella Harrington, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, re, re, is Trace Jackson Davis Othella reincarnate? Because they, I couldn't I, get that out of I, my head. I, I see that left-handed, what? a little slow, a uh, little, a little I, awkward. I feel like Trace is a little bit faster, <laughs> maybe a little bit smoother. Homer. But no, no. I mean, obviously, I'm an IU <laughs> fan, so I mean, I would. But I think he's just. It just seems like from watching this game. I mean, I didn't watch a bunch on Harrington. I know he played in the NBA and stuff. So I mean. But it was a different NBA back then. Yeah. You know, you could get away with only shooting the inside left hook. You know, like <laughs> could you? I don't think post you player. Not if you're going up against Marcus Camby, because I had that. Well, as not one. in this game. But I, I was talking about the notes. NBA. He like, looked absolutely outclassed by oh, Marcus Camby. Camby like, was just he looked ter- he looked terrified every time Camby was on him. I had it written down like. <sighs> immediately when he gets the ball, he like throws up that half hook and gets it sent right back in his uh, face. Camby was just unbelievable and in this the, game. The contrast to that was as soon as Camby was out, I forget who they put on him, but whoever they put on him, he went to work and scored, oh, yeah. and scored like immediately. In the as second as half. Cam, as soon as Camby was out. Got his fourth foul. Yeah, so they switched somebody on him and Othello went right at him and and scored. And I'm like, where's this guy been all game? Like he looked terrified when Camby well, was well, on Well, I mean, I would have been too. Camby was just everywhere. He like, was this everywhere. Game, he was just. We'll talk about it more, but he Spider-Man. was. He was just a beast, no doubt, no doubt. You mentioned the number of pros too. Georgetown four pros on this team, but I I think the, it's a UMass. What I loved about this game, UMass. If you're a UMass fan, put on those UMass shorts, wear them with pride, because this is like the quintessential college basketball team. Calipari has these guys playing such a college style where they're pressing. They are methodical on offense, swinging the ball to the corners for threes or just being patient, working it to Camby. And the, the, those two guards, their defense, oh, man. I mean, you, don't, you do not see like that kind of just ball. You can't anymore. Oh, no. Like <laughs> hawking the ball. Victor Page, besides uh, Othello looking scared, Victor Page was completely lost in this oh, game. Like I mean, he might as well not have played. I agree. Like, like I told you, I think I texted you, that was the definition of a team yes. is what UMass. I mean, they just had it all. I mean, yeah, Camby was the inside guy, and maybe you would have said that you know, it would have been nice to have a guy like Iverson, but they didn't need anybody because they worked the ball around so well. It's like I said earlier, it made it easier on Camby because they were such a good team that – they couldn't double team him as much as they probably would have liked because is it, I'm probably gonna say his name wrong. Is it Travieso? Travieso. Yep. I mean that guy. I looked up. I didn't realize that he had shot seven threes a game for the season. Right. Like and hit three. Like yeah. he was like a forty ahead of his I mean, time. That is like. Back then, that's like unheard of. Like, did Ray Allen even do that back then? I don't know. I mean, probably I mean, not that honestly, many. Honestly, he was probably the best three point shooter 
in college basketball. He might have been. I mean, that's like, I mean, I I just couldn't get I couldn't get over that. That was just to me that blew me away that he shot that much. And maybe that's just because Cal, you know, let him because back then, you know, that wasn't really the norm, right? You didn't shoot that many threes. You know, in a game. That's our 19-9 moment of the of this uh, game. It's the shooting of Carmelo Travieso. Like it was unbelievable, and I, and I think what was so cool about it was the way he got it too, because it's such a classically college way. Like he was not like you know pulling up like Steph Curry from 30 feet out. He's like slowly runs to the corner. They swing, swing, Plays. hits it. You know, he hits that open that open three or where the guy is late late rotating. It was it was a uh, classic and just kind of drawn up and and work double great. screen on the baseline exactly, coming around staggered screen he's coming and curling pulls it up and shooting i mean it was yeah i mean like i said I, this umass team the more i watch them the more you know i wish that i would have watched more right back then i mean yeah. it was just really impressive 100 how good they were all right i've got a quote from you for cal from calipari i wanted to get your reaction to see what you think uh he means by this he says georgetown has an unbelievable team said Calipari. They play like a typical Georgetown team. Allen Iverson, Georgetown's All-American uh, guard, who scored 32 points against Texas Tech, is fabulous. John Thompson has done a tremendous job with Iverson. He's really letting him display the talent he has. So two questions. One, what is typical Georgetown? And, and two, what do you think he meant by display the talent he has? Like, What, what do those two things mean? To you? I, the second one I think means that he just let him be Allen Iverson. He didn't try to control him as far as his shot selection or anything. He just, you know, what Allen wanted to do, he had a, the green light. Hmm. So he could do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. Because if he plays free, that's just the best way Allen Iverson was going to play, right? If you try to control him, then you, it's just not going to work. Uh, do you think that hurt? Do you think that hurt Georgetown in this game, though? I In this game, I just, I really just felt like Georgetown was outmatched. Hmm. I really do because, like, it wasn't because of a talent because they helped, they stuck with them in the first half. Iverson's got 17 points. But Iverson was great at the end, the Othello, second half, yeah. or the first half to make it close. Right, that's what I'm saying. And like then the second threes, half, he, he can't do play. anything. Well, it's because it, that's, it was the complete opposite what Georgetown could do for Iverson that can be got from his teammates. So you think it's the so you think it's the adjustments that Calipari made at halftime, or or what did you see? No, I think that it was more of just like the footprint of the teams like I felt like that Georgetown had Harrington White Williams they just didn't have like to separate the the court you know Hmm. like they were all big guys right and then you had Iverson which was trying to fight against all the Utah all the UMass guards right right? so it was like him one-on-one because the floor wasn't spread because they didn't have the shooters like UMass had where Camby was able to have more dominance because if if you just trapped him, like He's then the shooters are wide open. Yeah. And it was like even like the guy like Dingle and yeah. Bright had really good games. So like there was nothing that Georgetown could do to single out and try to change the way UMass was playing. Mm. Where I felt like Georgetown, yeah, Harrington played good there for a stretch whenever Camby was out. But besides that, like Williams, he's just to me, like watching that game, he was a kind of like a tweener. Like he was a good rebounder. He could kind of dribble. He was big, but he didn't have a jump shot. <laughs> he couldn't yeah. shoot from the outside. No. So the respect factor of him being out there 
didn't draw people away, they would probably leave him open if he was, you know. Well, they needed to get into transition, too, and they just weren't getting any tran- transition buckets. Like, the, that was the, that, what the press does. And, again, what's so surprising is that I guess, you know, maybe it's just because of foul trouble. It's just as simple as that. But it seems like that press is so effective in college basketball because you, you – get people away from those transition buckets and they just you know it's it's it gives them so little time even in a time when the shot clock's longer it still seems like they're struggling to set anything up you see Iverson probe a ton into the lane but like you said he gets there and there's like three guys there's three guys standing there waiting for him and I love that you uh pointed out uh Dana Dingle and Dante Bright because I think that always something that is um often overlooked is the impact of of role players and you don't want to overstate it because Camby was awesome Travieso was awesome Padilla was awesome in this game but those two guys really stood out to me as guys that made an impact and and on championship teams you know whether you want to laugh at Caruso for the Lakers or whoever those guys tend to play uh, important roles because they have to fill in those gaps where you can't lean on them. And I think you're right for Georgetown, who was that guy like that you could point to that Hey, that you know, Iverson got his, even though it was twenty three seventeen in the first half. He still got his nut. He still got his basic numbers. Um, but he worked really. He hard. did. That's what that I mean. Because the there was nobody else. Othello was overmatched, so he wasn't getting any. So they needed Williams or somebody else to step up and re- in a big way, and they just did. They didn't get that on their on their team. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, you make a good point about the role players, and I feel like they they don't get the the respect they deserve. You know, like. Like I said, like you know, it helps the superstars shine yeah. if they're able to open it up. You know, it's like, you know, just as a reference, it's like the NBA. If you put a really good player on a really bad team, they can shut that one player down. Yep. You know, to where, but if they're surrounded by good players, then it's almost impossible to stop them. You know, and that's kind of what Camby was like in this game, like yeah. when he. The beginning of that second half, I mean, <laughs> God, he was just a beast. a beast. Like, like eight straight points blocking. Like they they had nothing. Uh, here, I've got two quotes. This is great for from Iverson. Kind of sums up can sum up the game pretty quickly. All right, first this this is before the game. It doesn't matter who's in there. Iverson said, "I'm going to the hole anyways. I'm not going to change even if there's two or three Marcus Canby's in there." This is before the game. <laughs> He's confident. He's very confident. <laughs> okay. This is this is afterwards. They shut us down defensively at times when we needed to score. I mean, it's just it's just that simple, right? Like, and this is this is from Padilla. I love this. This is again about that that team. So he says, we always run onto the court. We run after timeouts to show people that we're still working hard. We're not tired. We're not letting down. It is that mentality. And you know, you can say what you want about Cal now. And of course, as an IU fan, maybe I don't love him, but I love that he was able to instill that mentality in a team. I mean, that shows leadership. It shows just like to get togetherness, to get it. And it's such a quintessentially college thing to get those guys to just run onto the floor, even when they are tired and to make sure they're not showing it to anyone. I I just, I I feel like teams like this one, just, I know that number one and number one teams don't come along very long, but I'm just being, even at that, that level they're at, you just don't see very many teams that play like this anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of you got stars, and you. I mean, they had they had Camby, but they played like a complete team, and you just don't see that anymore, Harley. I mean, like Cal, yeah, he doesn't. You know, we have our own thing about Cal because we're all <laughs> you fans, so I don't need to get into that. But he doesn't play the same way because he gets young guys and tries to get them to work by the end of the year. This was a team that he had built up 
And he did an unbelievable job piecing it together. Yes. You know, so. All right, well, let's hit some of the categories as we as we get going here. Big picture picture context. So we did this a little bit, but what would you think of the, co- the coaching matchup? Young Cal versus John Thompson. What did you feel? Did you feel like Thompson's on his way out or he was, you know, maybe overmatched by the dy- dyna- dynamism of Cal or is it a pretty even matchup? I mean, I think that it was a it was an up-and-comer in Cal and I mean, Thompson had won a championship. Yeah. I mean, or Thompson, yeah, has won a yeah. championship. I mean, I don't think that he was overmatched as far as coaching. I just don't think he had anything he could run that was going to stop this UMass team. I just I don't think that – I don't see any coaching changes because, you know, sometimes you see coaching changes where you say, well, this guy got off and we, sh- we should have stopped him. Mm-hmm. You know, but, I mean, on this game, I can't pinpoint one scenario that maybe – would have changed the course of the game. You know, like it was, it just felt like from the beginning that Georgetown stayed in it because. Was there a way for Georgetown to slow it down or muck it up more? Because, I mean, the, 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 the contrast is like if UMass is going to hit all those threes, like you're going to lose, right? Like you, they hit so yeah, but It wasn't just that though. They take care of the ball. That's what I mean. They play great defense. But so. when you're, but when you get up and you're like playing tough defense, like it's, it's, and you're Georgetown where you're like going to score two pointers only like, you know, a 10 point lead is really like a 15 oh, yeah. or 15 or 18 and point lead. And the thing is their press didn't work that well just because they had two guards that were very experienced and it just didn't work. Yeah. So like once that happened, they could break it so easily I mean, do you really just keep going to it and give them easy buckets? I don't know. I mean, I think the only way this game possibly changes is at the beginning there were just so many turnovers, so many missed layups by Georgetown. Yeah. Like maybe if they capitalized at the beginning <laughs> and put Buckner, pressure on them. Buckner even flames a, a junkyard dog. He's like, he's really talented, gets to the hole, but can't make a layup. Oh, I was, was like, oh, my God. I, I remember that. I was just like, I mean, it, Killing him. at the beginning, they missed a lot he of he got I mean, fouled, easy though. layups. It was an and one. No, so. there was another one that he just missed. Yeah, like, he I did. was like. I know I don't remember that about him because I remember him being so tough. I don't remember him missing a bunch yeah. of layups. Well, I don't That's really funny. remember him being an offensive player at all. No, no. So like, I mean, he was kind of asked. He was, to go ver- out of he was versatile, he but does. he was like running. I was really impressed by how he was dribbling on the yeah, outside. Like I didn't know that about he him. He seems like a you know a, a new type of player. That the guy six nine like that wasn't that was unusual for a guy that big to be like leading the. Break. Oh yeah, definitely. It was definitely a. He was ahead of his error as far as dribbling, not shooting. What about the youth versus experience? So we'll circle back to that a little bit. So do you think that there's something in college basketball still today where that experience uh, matters, like that togetherness of maybe not the scoring, but the time, just literally the time that a team spends together? Can that make uh, you know create an advantage for them? I, I mean, I believe so. I, I think that my ideal perfect scenario for a team I can't really say it about IU because we haven't done it for so long. But <laughs> for other teams, I always feel like they always have some vets on the team that are solid. They're going to come every day. Uh-huh. And then you always have your young you know, stars. But they always usually have guys that are reliable. You know, Most champions have those guys that they might not be the you – know, they might be the junior or senior that was a four-star, but maybe they've – 
they've got so good at the point that where they're not going to play in the NBA, but they're really good college basketball players. They're the guy that's running out on the court, like yeah, leading, the, leading, they're leading them the team, the and they're the ones getting yeah. these stars in the position to score. They're the ones that when the time that you know some teams would choke, they're the ones settling the team down, saying, "Hey, it's going to be fine. We've been here before. We can do this. Just relax." You know, just play good defense so we can get back in the game. Where well, I feel like you have to have that. Yeah. Or else, I mean, wouldn't Kentucky have, like, 20 championships with all their five-star recruits they think, get every you year? You would think so. It's, you know, I think it's not just that, but it's also it's so hard to blend, to blend talent. Like, again, just uh, uh, amassing talent is one thing, but then blending it into a team – is a whole nother skill. I Egos. mean, they have to do it with the, you know, the dream team at some, at a certain talent level. I think that it, it doesn't matter as much, but, or a ta- talent differential, but if, if the talents are, are uh, pretty cl- you know, pretty close and, and you can even with a, a really talented group of freshmen, because they're, you know, you got the egos at play and you've got their skill sets that aren't necessarily caught up with their athleticism and some of the other things that could make them better down the line, you can make up for it. That's where, you know, Harrington, as soon as Camby's off him, he goes to work, right? Yeah. In the NBA, there's just another Camby there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you so can. it's just, so it's just, di- it's just different. Um, but I don't know. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about design corner. What uh, what uh, design stuff did you see besides those UMass UMass and Georgetown uniforms uh, that uh, you I get think- on 99.com for the holiday season right now? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I got to say one thing about that. I got to get those uh, – Georgetown oh, Blues. Oh man, I know. I mean, I got after watching this, it's just driving me nuts. <laughs> I know. Uh, but no, I mean, I absolutely love being, you know, a a, a almost forty year old. The cut off, <laughs> the cut off shirts underneath the jerseys. Yes. I mean, that was just so. You know, took me right back to like whenever I was a kid. I mean, it was just that that part I love. You just don't see that very often anymore. Now all you see usually is the. Uh, Tank top. Yeah, well, you've got the tank tops, right. like, you know, the, the Nike Elite stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, a, I guess it's kind of like the old school, like, I mean, I guess for us it wasn't old school, but it was old school now. Like, yeah. you just don't see people doing that. Well, what's weird is that you, people don't realize you couldn't get, like, you couldn't just go out and get a Nike Elite things or, or even a cutoff at a store. Like, they didn't just have, like, cutoff shirts that you had to buy a t shirt and just cut the sleeves off. Oh, yeah. That was it. That was an art in itself. <laughs> and man. they were doing that in these games, which was great. I uh, know. I mean, I can just remember being a kid and trying to cut the perfectly around the seam to make it look just right. And it just, then the first time you'd go for a layup, somebody would rip it. And then, <laughs> and then but you had to rip the other side to match that side. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's just a lot of stories when it comes to that. But I really enjoyed that. Uh, what about the shoes? What, what shoes do you like? I had a couple. <laughs> I mean, I like the, the Jordans. Yeah, the 11s, of course. Yeah, I really like those. Like those. Unbelievable. Uh, you I, had the kids on there, but I don't, I don't remember seeing those. I lo- those were a personal favorite for me. Those Zoom flight because they had the big. They look like space shoes because they oh, got the they big the bubbles. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had those. Those were now so you bring them cool. up. Yeah, they and, were really and cool. Kid was like just like so fast. Like it, they look like fast shoes. You know, they look like shoes someone fast. Those had those had a weird. I might have got a bootleg pair. I don't know, but I I had a pair of those later. It was like a retro. I thought, and it man, they rubbed they rubbed like my ankle. I tried to play in them. Did not work. I mean, it's one of those things where you some learn. shoes work and maybe some shoes you don't. shouldn't. Playing retro retros, maybe they're for just the look. The look. Yeah, I but, remember uh, I bought a pair of the. I don't remember which Jordans they were. They were the two tone that he wore with the Bulls. They had the black on top with the red on the bottom, like the suede. Yeah, and I had those when I was younger, and I played with those things forever. They lasted. I bought the retros, and they were like 
I bet you they lasted a summer and they were done. I was like, come <laughs> on now. Like, they're so much more expensive now than they were back then. So much more, I know. That, well, yeah, you, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't, this isn't so bad. Now you're like, oh, my gosh, $180? And, yeah. Did wow. you uh, – did you take the time to watch any of the commercials? I did. I was gonna. A- <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you too. And I loved because a lot of the games we watch don't have the halftime show. This halftime show was awesome. Did you watch it? I didn't. And oh it, my know, god! I just, before I came, bl- I saw you, you updated it. it, and I was like, because I just because pa- I just passed it because we never talk about the halftime. I show. know. Well, they like, don't usually have it. On, and I was like. Well, I don't have time. So, so we just so we just talked uh, to the five star guys uh, before you know in the podcast before this, and one of the things they said was so cool is listening back to those speeches from you know famous famous coaches, and and Coach K was one of them. And this was like that for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like he is breaking down the first half. He shows that like swing around at the the corner. He shows Camby the way that he is like off of Othella and then as soon as he's on to him he's like traveling with the you know and it is so cool to just hear coach K breaking it down in the studio because he, I mean I, I I think that he's become and all these coaches have become um so ensconced or enshrined that they almost can't share their knowledge again. yeah as I say that that doesn't for as far as I know I don't watch a lot of halftime shows yeah. anymore but they uh, they've got the they've got the former players on there. That yeah, they do don't it. show coaches. They don't usually on there have anymore, the coaches. Right? Anymore. Like, coaches won't. They're do like it at anymore. a higher level. Yeah, almost. they're like they don't have time for that. Yeah, you know, or in the past they would come. Or in. Or maybe they just get paid too much now. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. They probably were like, hey, come in and you can make ten thousand if you come in and talk during halftime. They're like, oh, sure, sure, yeah. And now exactly. they're like, how much are you gonna give me? Roy, no, I'm good. Yeah, Roy Williams, where we heard it, he was selling calendars out of his uh, trunk to make uh, to make salary. He would have been like, oh, halftime show, definitely. I'll break I'm it all down. <laughs> I'll bring you a free calendar too. <laughs> you don't. Need, I'll even do commercials. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we got we got two more. Uh, we already hit the ninety nine moment. So, what aged the the best for you in this? I think it's for me. It was just the style of play. Like it it was just an unbelievable college basketball game. Even though it wasn't super close at the end, it never felt like a blowout. It felt like uh, one of those games where Georgetown was just because they made that run in the first half. That at any moment they were. Iverson was gonna break out, and they were gonna make a run, and they never did. Uh, but uh, they were so they were so close, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I agree with that, and like we've said already a couple times, the the UMass team, that team, you put that team in college basketball today, and they're still just as dominant. I, I hundred percent, you know. So like that hasn't aged at all. Their no. style and everything, and actually, if you put that team, they might dominate more, I, just I think because so. of the fundamentals, like of the. Like, to me, like it's more of a skill positions now, and not just the full fundamentals of the game and the the screening. I don't think is as good as it was back then. Mm. Like, because it's more one on one and stuff. Where I feel like UMass, I, I don't know how the defense defense would have worked just because you know the rules are so much different now. They would have had to change it up because I don't know they, if, they would all fouled out. Yeah, I don't know if the point guards for UMass would have been fast enough if they couldn't have been that aggressive to go with the players huh. today. You know, because you could bump them depends and try on to the slow them down. Probably depends on the matchup. Yeah, right? I, but could you have stopped Allen I mean, Iverson uh, right now? Because no, you couldn't touch him. Was, you know, everything would have been a foul. Allen, how many Allen Iversons are in college basketball? No, I'm just now. saying if this game was played today, right? They might with lose. the rules. They like, might it would have been really hard to stop Allen yeah. Iverson because they would have called everything. Yeah. He would have shot a lot more free Yeah, throws. a lot of threes. Because he wouldn't have laid a lot and got, got knocked down. He got knocked down and he was just like, what, what's going on he'd be, here? He'd be on the ground like looking, looking up. up like, yeah, that would have been any, fouls. Any foul here? And they would have been trying to figure out how to stop him. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right, let's end on this. Would this game, this is a fun one, would this game be better with Bill Walton on the call? So this had an iconic, to me, uh, tandem. Gus Johnson, who I love. Josh will argue with me that he likes Billy Packer better. But Gus Johnson, I love him uh, calling play-by-play. And then Quinn Buckner as the, co- as the color guy. Oh, I absolutely love Quinn Buckner. I'm a Pacer fan, so, I mean – I wouldn't change him you at all. You wouldn't change it? No, I wouldn't you, you change Gus throw, either. I mean, he throw, was just you so You wouldn't throw Bill Walton in there? No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I listened to Bill during that <laughs> Super 8 or whatever tournament that IU was in. The Maui Invitational and, in, God, uh, in Asheville. He has his moments where he's really enjoyable to listen to. And yeah. then it's like some moments where they brought in a, they brought in a guest. Yeah. And they're talking to it, and they're splitting the screen. And, and I can't remember the guest's name. It had nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. It's some singer. And I was like, I mean, are they really showing a singer right now during yeah. the game? But, I mean, Walton is – I mean, he is good, and he's definitely entertaining. And maybe during the last six minutes or so when the game was kind of out of reach, right. then maybe he would have been fun to listen to a story about him probably talking about Patrick Ewing or some For ex sure. – Ex players, you know, from the teams that would have been pretty exciting. But I like both guys. He would have loved Marcus Camby would have been Bill Russell by uh, the end. Of, by the end, of this uh, game. if I was, he just reminds me of myself. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No he's doubt. playing the he's game that, of life. He's not that far off. <laughs> he's playing the game of life, and that's what I go by. Well, I've got the I got the call of the game for for me. So let's let's go to, let's go to that real quick. Is that basket good? Oh no! Yes, it is. Iverson. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was checked off. I thought UMass had him exactly where they wanted him to check him off. Camella's right there in front of him. Little contact. He goes up. There's a reach. And they call it on Travieso. Dante Bright tries to get an offensive foul call. But you see Iverson, who's been trying to get some foul calls from the officials, got going on a little roll. Got to keep an eye on him now. You may have to run two after him just to get the ball out of his hands. He's starting to heat up. And they and they did. I love that though, young fella. Please, <laughs> I mean, it was an unbelievable, perfect. unbelievable shot. I mean, we didn't talk about the dunk at the beginning of the game. Oh, I ha- I did have that down. Man, yeah. Man, I tell you, it just shows like he how did, it didn't even look like. Yeah, it didn't even look like he was going to dunk it. And oh, then, no, he, then he goes up like two hands oh, off two feet. Like it was just, it just blows you away. Like you're just like this little guy goes in over the towers and just. I mean, it it was definitely a. A tournament moment, you know, it like was. like it was something they would have been playing even after they lost. I'm sure they showed that again during that, you know, the Final Four, for you know, sure. showing that dunk. Yep, for sure. Well, you got we got anything else? Uh, I think that's that's all I had for this one. I think we we have to though uh, at some point finish up and do the UMass versus Kentucky to kind of bookend this season because that that's an unbelievable game too, and just kind of an interesting way that, that just how breaking down why they didn't get all the way to the championship. The, now, did you guys – I don't remember. Did you guys do the Syracuse? No, we did not. I think maybe we should do that one too. All right. And I think we should talk a little bit about uh, Wallace and how great he was. Let's do it. In the In those Syracuse in the run, shorts. In the Syracuse <laughs> shorts, exactly. Right. There's just so many teams in this 96, I know. Man. It's that's, just crazy. That's good. Whenever anyone doesn't see good games on or games this season get canceled for COVID, go on YouTube. We'll put the links in, in the show notes for this. Go watch this game. Like You will have fun watching this game. Like I, I legit enjoyed every minute watching this game, even the commercials and the halftime show. I didn't watch all the commercials, but I love some of them. They're just funny. And then the, the halftime show, definitely watch that because it, it is is awesome to hear to watch coach k breaking it down it feels special i agree definitely watch some of the commercials it's it's crazy to like that i watched a 96 
uh, what was it, Monte Carlo commercial. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a hundred years ago. It threw ago. me back to Days of Thunder, the, the, <laughs> the movie, and I was like, man, oh I want to watch God. that now. Days of Thunder. Oh, All my right. favorite movie. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get out of here. Thank you for listening to the 199 Podcast with HVS, the High Volume Shooters. For more information, check out the blog at 199.com under HVS. And while you're there, do yourself a favor and pick up some retro college shorts.